The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, the Chevy Bolt is back. Ford news and rumors, electric school buses revisited, and our special guest, automotive expert, Lauren Fix. All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Tim T. Pasquale, upholstered to the stars. Tim, how you doing, man? I'm great, Bud. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, it is time for Ford News and Rumors, and we always turn to our favorite Ford guy for that. That would be Aaron Hughes from Green Ford. Aaron, welcome back into Bud's Garage. Hey, guys. How we doing? Uh, we're doing hey. great. Hey. How you doing, Aaron? Good, Tim. How are you? He's on the I'm road. good. Tim is on the road. I, li- I like this sound. Now, are you gonna yep. bring you gonna bring us donuts? Oh sure. Oh sure, yeah. 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 We've heard right. that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Your wife has already told me about bringing you more donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know. Okay, Against the rules. Let's talk about the inventory that you have uh, on the on the ground at Green Ford. Tell us a little bit about what's cooking. Well, uh, inventory numbers are great right now. Um, things have really come back. We're getting shipments daily. We actually have finally. After years, we have Broncos in stock that are not just ordered for people. We have Mavericks that are in stock. We have Super Duties in wow. stock. It's great. And we've got tons of F-150s again. It's, it's like the old days. I love it. Cool. How about a... Uh, oh, that's fabulous. It really is. It, it, it's, a great, it, it's a great time. It, it, it's, you know, after watching all these lots that were empty of all the brands, and now, now it's starting to feel back to normal. People are back to having selection and can choose a lot of options on vehicles again. I love it. Tim's got a big SUV. What, what, what yeah. is Do you have the Expeditionary Excursion? We have the Expeditionary Excursion. Oh, Tim. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got the Excursion. Okay. Is yours a 7.3? No, sir. Mine is a 6.0 with 330,000 miles. How about that? And I don't care what anyone says. Aaron, if you maintain your vehicles, they will be more reliable and trouble-free. Absolutely. Um, you know, that uh, that excursion, if Ford started building them again, we would sell them like hotcakes. Everybody you know, loves those things. Everybody loves them. You know, the biggest problem that I see with people that complain about them is that they do, it, it, they do cost more to maintain. You know, oil changes are more expensive. Filters are more expensive. It's a bigger vehicle, and it just requires more attention to keep it on the road. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to wait so till you get to ignore your if you ignore regular maintenance because you don't want to pay for it, and then all of a sudden it breaks down. Well, guess whose fault that is? Right, and that's uh, the same with every vehicle, I would say. Now, Tim sure. and I, Tim and I have been talking on the show quite a bit about uh, a change in the tide here. Um, all the manufacturers, all of a sudden, are saying, "Well, maybe we're going to put the brakes on the the electric stuff and." Uh, Continue building the internal combustion stuff for a while. Uh, Ford has just come out and announced that because they, they recognize that there are certain people that need and, and want internal combustion uh, engines in their vehicles. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And Ford is in a unique position, I think, more than uh, a lot of companies because they're vi- building not just all electric vehicles, but they're very building almost anti-electric vehicles because they have, you know, a whole commercial division of, of very big trucks. But you also have got, you know, a big contingent of people that are needing to tow things. And, uh, you know, then you also have the Bronco where you're in an off-road world. Uh, well, hey, you're not going to be able to charge when you're out in the wilderness rock crawling and stuff, you know. So Ford has to be able to, to walk the line a little bit. Um, and I think they've recognized, and it, the, you know, the majority of the Ford dealers are not in, uh, you know, urban areas where people are just... Uh, you know, driving small amounts. You know, if you're in Gainesville, Georgia, like we are, um, you know, you, I'm accepting anytime I go anywhere, I'm driving a half hour or so. And, uh, you know, if I make a few stops, I might be on the road for an hour, hour and a half a day just doing routine things. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, some electric vehicles may work for that. But if I've, you know, if I've got a pickup truck load of things or, or if I want to tow a small trailer or something, electric vehicle is not practical. 
uh, in our type of area or in a lot of rural areas. And, and I think, uh, you know, that's honestly, I think that's the majority of the, com- uh, of the country. And I think uh, hybrid vehicles really make more sense for that. Now, tell us about the uh, y- yeah the hybrid Explorer. Tell yeah. us about that. I didn't realize there was such yeah, a thing. Yeah, there's a hybrid Explorer came out. Um, uh, oh, recently we, we've had uh, we've had one or two in um, uh, that were ordered for folks, and, and they're great. They're a 3.3 uh, V6 engine, so they got plenty of power and torque, and, and uh, you know, and it's a hybrid, and that's something new from Ford in the last year here. Um, you know, the Explorers have always been a uh, all gas engine, and, and you know they re-engineered them a few years ago. Where they went back to using a rear-wheel drive full-frame platform or an all-wheel drive platform, um, and it's great because they do have the hybrid available now. And the F-150 is also available in the hybrid, right? The F-150 hybrid is fantastic because it uses the 3.5 EcoBoost, which is the highest rated in its class for towing capacity. And then behind the bell housing, um, when you get into uh, car nerd stuff here, when you get behind the bell housing, there's actually a 47-horsepower electric motor. So what Ford did with that is instead of trying to make it the hybrid from a... uh, standpoint of fuel economy, which it certainly has, but they use that as part of the electric charging situation. And we've all heard about how you can power your house off of the truck. Um, And that's how Ford elected to do that, which is great because the electric motor gives you all the additional towing capacity um, and torque um, when you're towing, but it also will be charging uh, the batteries on the vehicle that can be used with the generating unit and you're, you're, you're getting the fuel mileage. Uh, one of my finance managers is pulling in the parking lot yesterday, and, and he drives an F-150. He'd had it for about a year. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny because when he pulls in, it was on all electric power at that particular time. Um, so, you know, it's it virtually silent as he's pulling his parking space in a full-size truck. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic motor, and that's been very, very good, uh, uh, very good reception from people that own them. So the people responsible for the, the the hybrid stuff and the people responsible for the electric stuff and the people responsible for the internal combustion stuff, you have the blue division, mm-hmm. is that right, and the, yeah. and the E division? Yeah, the E division is, Ford is trying to separate everything out where the electric is kind of in its own world, which I'm great with because I'm on the what they now call the blue side, which is all the, uh, uh, we like to call them the, uh, kind of like the grandfathered-in vehicles or the, uh, legacy vehicles, which are like your Mustangs and all your trucks. Um, you know, here, here where we are, tr- a truck business, well, with Ford, uh, Ford nationally here in the States, obviously, uh, is uh, pickup trucks are Ford's main business, whether it's the Super Duties, and now you even have, uh, you know, of course, your F-150 number one selling truck, in, or number one selling vehicle in America. Um, but then you also have got the smaller trucks now, too, with the Rangers and then even the Maverick, which has been huge. How about what's going on at your on your used car side? You told me about a vehicle that I had forgotten about yeah. that, that really gets you excited. Listen I to this do. one, Tim. So uh, I just traded the other day for a 2015. It's a one-owner C-Max, and it is a plug-in hybrid C-Max. Well, while we were doing uh, all the uh, trade-in information on that, the reports, we had to go uh, within 400 miles to even find double digits of these things. So there are less than uh, 10 of them within 400 miles. This thing, when I when I turned it on, it, like I say, it's a one-owner vehicle. It has uh, oh, roughly 60,000 miles, and it's a 15, and it is in beautiful condition, and it's a platinum, so it's loaded. Wow. And that thing's averaging 58.9 miles to a gallon in the time these folks have had it. Uh, it's just Holy awesome. God. It's an awesome little vehicle. I always loved them when they were out. Um, when when they were first out, there just were not a lot of them. They didn't build a lot of them. And a lot of people don't realize that at that time, that was one of the only flat tow vehicles that Ford made. So most of them we sold were for uh, people who had motorhomes. And so it's a, it's kind right. of a small, it's like on a focus platform, but it has the room that an Escape has, and you can flat tow the thing, and you're getting almost 60 miles to a gallon in it. It's an awesome little vehicle. So I haven't oh, used one of those. It's yeah. great. So we need to put well, I think that has to do with uh, marketing, the way that, you know, it's so difficult for these manufacturers to market and hit all of the targets. It yeah. used to be just TV and radio and newspaper. Now you've got all the Internet outlets and so forth. And I think the word doesn't get out on a lot of really good vehicles because of that. I think you're right. And there's so much out there. Everybody's kind of bombarded with it. Yeah, absolutely. How can folks learn more about what's going on at Green Ford? Oh, come on down to 2365 Brownsbridge Road in Gainesville, Georgia, or check out greenford.net. 
or give us a call at 770-532-5620. Feel free to ask for Aaron. I'll be glad to help you any way I can, and we'll get you into a new Ford. You'll be doing burnouts in the parking lot. It'll be great. Wait a minute. You didn't let me do a burnout in the parking lot. Well, I haven't learned everybody how to is use not it. allowed to do burnouts in the oh, parking lot. All right. It's a special request only. All right, Producer Bill, I'm going to ask you today. Do you know what a phlebotomist is? Yeah, he's a guy that gives a lot of money away. No, 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 no. That's a philanthropist. Oh, I thought he was a guy that made my drugs at the drugstore. No, that's a pharmacist. Oh, I thought that was a guy. That never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I had to have some lab work done <laughs> recently uh, by a phlebotomy technician. You know, once a year I, I go get my annual checkups, and they always want labs and stuff so they can measure how much uh, blood is in my alcohol and uh, things like that. So they... Uh, I went and had a lab do it, and the person running the lab was a phlebotomist. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't give me any money. Do you collect stamps? No. <laughs> you don't get green stamps <laughs> when you go to the lab. But this is a program that comes under the health care programs at Lanier Technical College. And what's cool about this is these, you know, phlebotomy technicians work in, in the operating room. You know, they work in the labs. They work in the doctor's offices. And you can get into this career in just 30 weeks, no two semesters of training. And the job, uh, the job growth between now and 2026 is going to be approximately a need of 17,000 more phlebotomy technicians. Holy smokes. Yeah. Take care of us old folks, I guess. Do you have to be able to pronounce phlebotomist to be in the I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, when I, when I taught at Lanier Tech, we went from being a technical institute to a college in in the step of one meeting that I had to go to, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I I was stuck trying to spell professor. <laughs> you know I could spell instructor. I could not figure out you know, un- whether how many F's and stuff there were. It was right. professor. Anyway, that's a whole side story. That sounds like a fascinating career. It is, and the technician certificate is available at four of the campuses of Lanier Technical College here in Georgia. So check that out at LanierTechnicalCollege.edu. LanierTech.edu. Well, Tim, an astute listener wanted to know why the percentage, and this is really astute. Remember we were talking about the rotary valve engine? Oh, I remember my eyes glazing yeah, over. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but anyway. But this dude was listening. Yeah, and they wanted to know, this listener wanted to know why the percentage of air through an intake valve of an engine, a typical engine that we have in our car, mm-hmm. is less than that of the exhaust valve. Because both valves are open in the airstream. We've, you know, they're, they're in the way, basically. Yeah. Uh, why does the exhaust valve flow better? Do you, you want to answer the question? <laughs> I don't have a clue. <laughs> all right. All right. What's, what's the, the pressure that forces down on us all day long? 14.7 to 1. Okay. Okay. Gravity. Atmospheric pressure. Ash, atmospheric. Yeah. It's atmospheric pressure. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got a naturally aspirated engine, mm-hmm. that's all you got to bring the, that plus the suction of the piston to bring the, the air into the engine. Okay. Engine's just an air pump. Mm-hmm. But on the exhaust stroke, yep. the piston is coming up. So you got eh, typically 150 PSI okay. pushing the exhaust out. So mm-hmm. it's cramming it past the, the exhaust valve, even though it's kind of in the way. Wow, good answer. So if you had a supercharged engine, mm-hmm. you know. You to, would be forcing more you'd be air forcing in. You'd be forcing more air in. Okay. But the rotary valve engine, as we discussed, eliminates any interference of airflow, mm-hmm. and so you can make a lot of power. You're really hot on this rotary valve engine. Uh, I just, I just think that it's good that out of all of this EV stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that we're we're coming up with other things, yeah, that might work, right, with what we got now, right, right, and make it more efficient and cleaner, mm-hmm. so. and continue to use gasoline like we have always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes it simpler. <sighs> we're all about simpler. Yeah, we are. We are about simple. Okay, Tim, electric school buses are in the news again. Okay. Tell us about them. They have have more range now. Okay. 25% more range. Uh Uh-huh. The Bluebird school buses. Which is made right here in In Fort Valley, Georgia. Yep. Uh, They showed the uh, bus at a show in Reno, Nevada. Mm Mm-hmm. It's showcasing the evolution of zero, zero, zero emission offerings. Next Vision School Bus is part of a collaboration between Bluebird and Cummings Accelera unit. Features a 196 kilowatt battery. That's a 25% gain 
to Bluebird's current model. Okay. This gives the new version a range of up to 130 miles, or up enough to, to cover. Up to 130 up to, miles. Unless it's cold out. Or, or extremely hot. hot. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, that, and they're, they're hoping that this will be able to, to do a complete two... A complete morning... Morning and afternoon run. Okay, on a single charge. On a single charge. Yeah. But you know what I read in between this article? Hmm. As, as I was reading on, it said, it's now capable of higher kilowatt speeds, okay? Mm -hmm. So faster in, charging. While improving its vehicle-to-grid charging capacity, mm -hmm. capability. Vehicle-to-grid means, to me, you put it into the public charging system. Oh. Is that what that means to you? No, I don't know. Well, I that's what I've got to find out, because I'm thinking that they're going to put in standalone units that might be hydrogen or something to actually charge these buses. Oh, really? Okay, well, that, is that my homework? Well, that could be part of it. I'm, I'm just wondering. I've seen these at shows. Mm -hmm. I've seen these at, at Petit Le Mans, where they bring in these diesel generators, and they could bring in hydrogen-powered you know, powered, uh, generators. Yeah. And charge the buses with those. Okay. So that doesn't hook you up to the public grid. Oh, I see, I see. So, so you're, you're, you're paying for it, you know. Uh-huh. So we're not all paying for it right. to charge these things. It, it's kind of like when you go to a hotel and they've got a place to plug in. Mm-hmm. Everybody's paying to charge your car. Right. I'm not sure that's right. Yeah, I don't know about that. So, anyway. You know, it's... Phew. We'll see. Well, they're going to be producing 5,000 electric school buses a year, you know, at Fort Valley, uh, Georgia, at the Bluebird Corporation. So. And Atlanta bought, what do we say, 25 buses or something I don't like remember that? Winnett School was, System. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a kumbaya moment and all oh, that. But yeah. I think that when they get these and find out what's involved, it'll be a different story. Yeah. If you have ever restored a classic muscle car, and I've done many classic muscle cars, you know, sometimes. You can take pictures when you're taking it apart, and you can do all these things, and, and you still get stuck when you put it back together, because sometimes it's six months or a year before you actually get back to reassembling the car. Uh, we all know to take it apart and put everything in baggies and that type of thing, but sometimes it's a matter of what goes where in what sequence. And if you need some knowledge about your project, go to yearone.com. And look at their manuals that they have. They have these repair manuals for cars, assembly manuals. I'm, I'm working on a 73 Mustang Mach 1 right now, and I've got five or six manuals for it. And they, they cover different parts of the car. So as you're doing the interior, you've got one manual. As you're doing the body, you've got other, another manual. And they're, and they're great references, uh, just in case you forget where everything went. <laughs> and if you've got a 67 to 72 Chevrolet or GMC truck, you can now get uh, new cab supports, front cab supports, a left and a right from year one. And don't forget wipers. A lot of times when we're taking vehicles apart, we throw the bulbs and stuff into a box, and you take the wipers off, you throw them in a box, and you, you forget about you know getting the correct ones. Year one now has the satin-finished metal wipers that used to be on our older cars with the correct inserts in them. And they just look great on a car, and it's a kind of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday, if you will, on a car that you've restored. So check out all that stuff at yearone.com. Well, this week's special guest on Bud's Garage Overdrive was actually on episode 11 of the podcast. We did an entire podcast with Lauren Fix, the car coach, mm -hmm. and uh, she's a fine lady and has all the credentials, uh, engineer, mm -hmm. uh, Society of Automotive Engineers, um, been a car expert forever, and yes, her last name is Fix, and that's a real name. And Lauren, we just uh, would like to welcome you in. Lauren Fix, the car coach. Welcome back into Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast. Hey, Lauren. Yeah. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks uh, for having me back. Well, we are confused, all right? Um, we know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we know that uh, Tesla was started, you know, back in 2003 by a couple of engineers. And uh, then Elon mm -hmm. Musk got, you know, helped them fund it. Uh, he was a co-founder of PayPal. And he eventually became the CEO of Tesla in 2008. And he set out building the Tesla Roadster. Roadster. Now, I, I remember driving the Roadster in Arizona at an EV show that was a, oh, it was a prototype. I drove one as well. It was a prototype. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it was a wicked little sports car. 
Yeah. And then it developed in what we've got now. So, you know, Elon is an individual, you know, who became successful in the electric car business, and he's building electric cars, uh, but the automotive world doesn't pay any notice to it, so to speak. And uh, Well, initially, anyhow, yeah. Initially, and everybody's doing fine. You know, Elon's over there selling his little electric vehicles, and the big three and all the rest are making their hot rods and all that stuff. What in, what in the world changed all of this? What was the tipping point in your mind? Um, I think when they started watching him expand to more locations, getting more and more percentage of the sales, and he is a Pied Piper. So when he blows his pipe, people follow him, uh, just like the cartoon or the fairy tale. Um, but what he has done that's different from other brands is he doesn't have a dealer network because he calls himself a tech company, which means there's also no, for you as a consumer, there's no service facilities. And that's a problem. So if you've got a problem with your Ford, you go to the Ford dealer and go, hey, I got a problem. Go, oh, geez, I'm really sorry, bud. Here's the keys to an F-150 while we fix your vehicle. And you're great, so you get a chance to drive the new cars. He doesn't sure. do that at all. All he does it is they, they call online, they see if they can do it remotely, if they can't fix it, much like an iPhone. Yeah, right. Then uh, they'll send someone out with a flatbed powered by a 250 diesel, which I find hysterical, <laughs> and they take it away for as long as they need to, and then eventually you'll get your vehicle back. So it's sort of interesting how that, how that occurs. But he has done a great job breaking into a marketplace, which is almost impossible. When you look at brands like Rivian and Lucid and, um, oh, my God, Nikolai, pickup brand, they have not had the greatest luck getting traction. And part of that is because they don't have a dealer network. They're trying to follow rather than lead. Elon was the leader, and I think that's what sort of made him so special, is that it was different, and people were like, what the heck is this? People that wanted technology jumped on board, and that felt great. But I think in the bigger picture, the build quality is horrid at best. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have not seen a Tesla up close next time you're in a parking lot and you see one, Oh, yeah. Just do yourself a favor and go over and look at it, and you'll go, what? The paint looks like crap, and I'm being nice. The gaps between the body panels are all over the place, which is also a problem. And I have a friend who does paint correction for Tesla's exclusively. Every single car that's delivered has to have paint correction. Seriously. I'll put a ceramic coat on it because they're afraid it's going to get worse. Yeah, really? So, I mean, these are, these are really big problems. So... Other brands such as Ford and Hyundai and Kia and everyone else look to see what he was doing right and try to copy it. And when he's doing wrong, they do better. And so if today you were looking at an electric vehicle, if that was what you were considering, there's other products out there that has fast charging with inherent architecture. Actually, the only one that actually does, <coughs> pardon me, is Hyundai. Right. Hyundai and Kia. They have inherent architecture. You can charge up super fast in a fast charger, super fast off of a level two compared to all of the other brands, except for Porsche, you know, stuff like that. Right. Uh, or Lucid, that, that have 400-volt architecture, which means it takes twice as long to charge. And so this is an impact for consumers, and which is why, although everyone thinks they're selling like crazy, go look at what they call the turns. The turns are, when a car comes into a dealership, how long does it stay on that dealer lot before it leaves? Because at the beginning of every month, they have to pay what's called floor planning. So we've got X amount of vehicles sitting here that cost us this much. We're going to pay the finance. They don't buy the car. They just pay the finance fees, and they want to get rid of them quick, right? So the longer it sits, the more it costs them money. That's why when the car's been sitting there six months, they're like, we got to get rid of this thing, make a deal with whoever is interested. And so that's why cars that are sitting on lots longer are better deals if you're looking at anything, any product. So that may be an ugly color or lacking of options or overpriced or whatever it might be. So in this case... Right now, as it was of June, we'll give you a comparison. As of June, uh, at the end of June, the turn was 95 days. So that means three months those cars sat on the lot. That would be Mach-E's, Lightning's, any, any car that did not get the $7,500 tax credit, which is most right. of them, yeah. would sit on the lot for 90 days. That's three months, that's three months of paying for floor planning. Now, it gets even worse because at the end of July, it's 115 days. So that tells you something. It's a trend. You got interest rates rising. You got people worried about the economy. You got people not liking the infrastructure, which is far from there. And it's not the cars. The cars are built. There's some pretty impressive all electric cars if you want one. Right. But yeah. 
people are turning away. The only one who's not losing sales really at the same level is Tesla. Well, they've got the number one because selling uh, his, vehicle, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that well, not outselling Ford F-150s, but of electric cars, yeah. Right, yes, yes. But it has outsold BMWs, and I'm sure BMWs well aware of it. But I've talked to senior people at BMW, and they said, listen, we are being pushed to all electric. It doesn't make sense. We're about performance driving. So they've already said that they're going to keep diesel in Europe, which unfortunately we don't have here, because otherwise I probably would have bought an X6M diesel, which is an awesome, awesome SUV. Um, can't get it here. And uh, they're going to keep gas. They're going to do plug-in hybrid. They're going to do hybrid, and they're going to do electric. They're going to do it across the board, much like other brands. Unfortunately, brands like Volkswagen, this is interesting. New president comes in at Volkswagen. Day one, he has a meeting. You start look at all the numbers, and your first week you have a conversation with all of your employees and say, hey, senior employees, here's the deal. And he said, and you can translate this from German to English pretty easy, the roof is on fire. Now, if you say the roof is on fire here, that means the house is on fire, right? Yeah, right. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. That means it's really much worse than this, and you're not telling us the actual truth. Because you know how it goes from the senior level down. You know it's going to get public coverage. So sounds like they're hurting really badly, not selling the quantity of vehicles they'd like of the ID4s and the other electric vehicles that they offer. And then on top of that, you got to think about what are they doing? Why are they doing this? Because they, get screwed. they screwed themselves on the diesel situation, which is a real shame because it was so, so good. I mean, I, love, I have a diesel Cayenne, Porsche Cayenne, and I won't get rid of it. But, I mean, so those are the kind of things that I think that, um, that, that people um, are thinking about. You know, boy, I'm not having many choices if I have to go electric. There's a charging infrastructure. It costs me more to insure it. i got to get a charging station at my house. And you start looking at all these factors and it doesn't work for everyone. And Volkswagen is hurting the worst because they lied about diesel. Now they got electric cars. And they also own Electrify America, by the way, which I find extremely interesting. Right, yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. How, how so could they the, own the charging station? How did the auto manufacturers buy into all this electrification without any infrastructure? And all of the billions of dollars that they're having to invest into building cars that they don't know if they're ever going to sell. Well, a lot of the manufacturers are building infrastructure, uh, but they're, they're just not building it fast enough. This morning, uh, depending upon when you're listening to this lovely broadcast, General Motors said that they're going to put up a thousand more charging stations. Oh, good for them. But th that may make sense, but, but you know, and there's a consortium of seven different uh, companies that are putting out, they're going to put up more, they want to put 30,000 charging stations. And I laughed to myself thinking, all right, so we have 31,000 more charging stations. Where are they located? Mm -hmm. So to give you an idea right now, for every charging station, there's 10,000 cars to charge. Wow. That's ridiculous. That's like one gas station with 10,000 cars. Now, at a gas station, you can fill up in seven minutes to probably get through that pile pretty quick. But not at a charging station. You're going to have having people plug in, and they walk away, right? And they'll come back later. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a charge, so it's four hours for a fast charge, assuming it's fast charging. But if, let's say, they put in 300,000, we're going we're to multiply. They put in 300,000 charging stations. The grid can't support it. No. So we're already having right. trouble. Yeah. We're already having troubles all around the country, not just in Atlanta, but also we're, you know, around the country where people are saying, you know, uh, I had a brownout, I had a blackout, we have no power, we blew a generator, all these, all these factors. And, you're, and these are these are serious considerations. Absolutely. Now you're based in Buffalo. Tell us a little bit about what was going on with electric vehicles, you know, during the winter time. You know, it's the other oh, end of the spectrum. You mean during our three snowstorms? Yeah. Our three snowstorms that were unbelievable. One of them was so bad it was on Christmas Eve, so everyone was no, it was horrible because you know everyone wants to celebrate the holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate, or just you know get somewhere. You couldn't do anything, so that was a huge problem. So to give you an idea. What happened was, first off, well, there is zero fast chargers in the Buffalo area. Zero. There's level two chargers. There's Tesla chargers that you can plug into now if you don't own a Tesla, but it's low level two. At that point, you might as well just go home and plug in. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So when you, when you, I know, if you can, if you live in an apartment or a townhouse or a rental, there's no charging stations and you can't even put them in. So, I mean, these are just things that you, you have to consider. Um, so what happened during the snowstorm, and I was on the local radio station, WBEN, I, I report for them, 
and I went out. I have a Bronco Raptor, which is a gasoline-powered off-road vehicle. It is not your typical vehicle. And I had to go meet the Weather Channel, and it took me four hours for a 45-minute typical trip to give you an idea how bad it was. And the only reason I was out and there was no one else out with the plows was it was coming down that quickly, that badly. Uh, and I had to meet them for a TV appearance. So in the meantime, I saw cars seated all over the road, from electric cars to gasoline-powered cars. Those cars sat for days before they could get to them. All the electric cars were completely dead, 100% dead. People found that if they had an electric car and they went out in the cold weather, they lost 31% of their charging. AAA just announced this week that it's during these hot temperatures that we're having around the country, you know, 90s and 100s, that when it hits 90 degrees, you lose over 30% of your charging, of your, of your distance to travel. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's a huge yeah. factor. So you bought a car, which I think is kind of light on the 300-mile range. It seems to be like 250 because that's the battery technology. So you got a 250-mile car or a 300-mile car. It's cold outside. You're now down to 200 miles. Well, that's okay, you think. You know, don't use your heater. Don't use your air conditioning. Don't turn on the radio. Don't charge your cell phone. All of that. Bring, don't use your wiper blades. All of that brings down the range because it's using power. Now you think, well, that's the same thing as truth gas. Not true. My wiper blades don't run on fuel. And the new cars, <laughs> the air conditioning systems don't run on fuel. They don't run on electricity. They, you know, they, they're running electric from the batteries. That's why they have huge batteries in these cars now. Yeah. So when you start thinking about the difference, it's dramatic. So I had no problem. I, maybe I used a little more fuel because of the resistance of the snow. But it killed cars that were trying to push through the snow. And people were getting like 50 miles of range. And almost everyone I know that had an electric car that drove in the winter got rid of it in the spring. And wow. now the dealers are filled with them. So who was doing the battery research as the manufacturers were, you know, uh, tackling all the other things about building cars? Who, who, who decided, you know, we can't even decide on the plug to plug them in with. And, and how are the, who's doing the research on, the, on batteries? How, when did that start and how did it start and, and did it start? I don't know if, if anybody's thought of all this stuff about these uh, Cars. Well, that opens a whole new can of worms. Okay, go so for it. I don't it. know if you want to have a longer conversation <laughs> about that can of worms. But uh, we can always save that for another time, if you wish. But uh, the interesting thing about batteries is it started off, and this is very interesting. So we've had battery cars since the turn of the century. Sure. In 1916, Baker used electric cars. Yep. Ford had an electric car. Mm -hmm. But they didn't get the range, and people sat on the batteries, not thinking about the heat not thinking about potentially magnetic fields, but that's just the technology of the time, which hasn't changed that much, believe it or not. No, not at so all. Now, so now, fast forward, we had the General Motors EP1. Remember, they had the, that car, oh, yeah. they sold it in California. It was lease only, and then they destroyed all the cars because it didn't go the way they thought. They thought everyone would jump in on it because about the price. That didn't work. And then on the other side of this, um, we started looking at electric cars like the Nissan Leaf, uh, Ford had an um, escape uh, plug-in, if you remember that. Yep. Uh, those were the first ones that kind of hit the market. And China is now watching all this thinking, we cannot beat the domestics or the Japanese or even the Koreans when it comes to gasoline-powered cars, especially the Germans. They've got the performance. They've, they've figured out how to build a car right. The Germans pretty much build the best cars, in my opinion, uh, as far as build quality and and performance, it's expensive to repair them, but that's not unusual. So now we fast forward, China knows that they can't beat any of these, these companies. What are we going to do? We need something that they don't have, that we have. So they started buying up all the mines. And China owns all of the rare earth mineral mines, about 97% of them, in Afghanistan, in South America, all over Asia. So how did they do that? Well, when we foolishly pulled out of Afghanistan and just left everything, they came in what they call, with, you hear this a lot in the news, the Belt and Road Initiative. You've heard that. Everyone's heard that at some point. We're going to do a Belt and Road Initiative. What that means is we come in as China, and we put in all new roads for you. We put in infrastructure. We give you electricity. We put in phone lines, Internet. We do it all. You get everything. But we want something in return. You know they want something in return, because they don't do it for free. What they do in return is they want access to your rare earth minerals. They want the mines. And they'll use your people to mine it. So what government wouldn't say yes to that? We got jobs. 
We get free road, we get full road and belt initiative, right? We get all this new infrastructure put in. China pays for it all. So it doesn't cost the people and you get a job off of it. So it sounds good for a country, a com- country or an area that's in trouble, which is Afghanistan, in this case, South America, uh, Africa, and all over the world. So while they're doing this, they now have the bulk of all the lithium, cadmium, mercury, neodymium. There's like there's seven real rare earth minerals that we have a shortage of, including cobalt, of which all we do not produce here in the U.S. because it poisons the environment. So we don't do that, but they do, and they don't care. So now they put batteries in cars. Do we have this great new thing? It's the smart way to go green. And why they're telling us to go green, shut down our nuclear power plants, shut down our coal plants, shut down our natural gas plants. You're building new nuclear power plants daily, about seven a week. And they're smaller ones. And they're the ones telling us not to use coal. They use coal. They're telling us not to use natural gas. They use natural gas. They're on the Paris Climate Accord, which is all tied into this. Sure. But they don't follow any of the rules. They're the ones that are the exception to the rules. They signed it. But they don't have to follow anything. Well, that's, that's interesting. So we have an agreement where you do all the work and I get the benefit. That makes no sense. But that's what they did. And we foolishly agreed to it. If you remember, Trump didn't want to have any part of it. But it is what it is now. So and that could change. The next president, whoever that may be, could change it. So in the meantime, China owns the bulk of the battery companies that do all the technology. They know that you're going to get about 200 to 300. The only one that has more is Lucid Air with 500 miles of range, and it is to a 2500. Of course, you lose a third of that in the cold weather and the whole warm weather either, either way. But that, that's how they're doing this. So we foolishly are beholden to China, and we have no choice. So you won't be beholden to, to the Middle East. You're not beholden to China. And, and it's interesting because as you look deeper into this and you start doing your research, or we call it the rabbit hole, as you go oh, yeah. down the rabbit hole, um, you start finding more and more stuff that just infuriates you that all the car companies are buying from these companies that are somehow owned or partially owned by China, just like the chip companies, which is why they want Taiwan, so they can own the whole chip market. Wow. The... It goes further. Oh, I can go further, but it is crazy. Well, it's just, it just seems to me that, you know, we're worried about a certain fact. Well, we're all worried about our environment, okay? But... We seem to be kowtowing to a, 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 a part of the uh, population that is much smaller than the rest of us numbers-wise, but we're turning, you know, we're turning the whole planet, or at least our world, upside down with... Uh, but not theirs. Not theirs. And, and it's, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know how the research couldn't have been done on this as to how it was going to, uh, you know, we're, t- we're, we're sending the, the bad stuff off to other countries... But it's still affecting the planet. Sure. Absolutely. So if you mine cobalt in Africa, don't you think that affects our environment? Sure it does. First off, it kills all the the land around it. Literally, weaves everything. People die. They don't make it beyond 40. They have what's called cobalt lung. You can look it up. The people that are moving all this stuff are actual slaves. They're children. They're men. They're women. That's all their job is. And if they don't do it, they get rid of them. They die anyhow because it's the cobalt. It's like no big deal. They're just, they're just ants. They're, that's all they're using them as. And when all that stuff gets into the atmosphere, especially all of these batteries that are not recyclable, that, are, that there's nothing you can do with them, then what happens? Yeah, there's redwood materials who can do some of it, but you can't do all of it. And you can't do solar panels. You, you can't do the windmill blades that are made of fiberglass. They have to be buried in the ground. This is not sustainable. This is a dumb idea. And I've been calling it out since day one. And I will tell you, I take eight of heat, probably more than you can imagine, from car manufacturers, from other journalists, from other people. I get a lot of crap. Now they're all waking up. When I see NBC, ABC, all the mainstream media now going, you know, maybe this isn't what we thought it was. Maybe this isn't so good for the environment. Really? I've been saying it for 10 years. So in the end, my crystal ball was right. It's a gut <laughs> reaction. And, and, you know, anyone that's got any kind of mechanical experience or an engineer, you talk to these people and we know it. Most people shut their mouths and nod their heads because they want to keep their jobs or they don't want the pushback. But I don't work for anyone. I'm independent, so I can say whatever I want. And I love it. 
Now, and and you do the the thing. <laughs> that's the thing we yeah. love about you. Well, we just opened a new a new nuclear power plant in Georgia, has gone online. Mm -hmm. That's now, a good we, idea. Yeah, we've been. Uh, how many years, Tim? Ten years building it? Yeah, ten or twelve, and yeah. it's gone way, way over budget. Oh, way yeah, yeah, over. sure. Because there's money, somebody's making money. Well, mm -hmm. but mind you, they should look at China. They can put them up in a, you know, a couple of weeks. Well, they don't have to What's contend with all the, the all the government federal, regulations. Yeah, regulations. Yeah. Uh, let's government go back. regulations and all that other crap. Yeah. Let's People go, making money. Let's go back to that for just a sec. Government regulations. How about the government uh, incentives to keep pushing this? Uh, because you and I and everybody that's listening is paying for all of this research and all of these, all of this non-research and all of the mistakes that are being made along the way. Uh, even the EVs that we have out there right now, you know, have have are under the what do we call it? The CCS system. So uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you go out and buy one in a few years, you're you're going to be uh, you're going to wish you had an NACS system, but your car won't be wired for it, so you got to get another car. Yeah, well, or that or an adapter, which means it's probably going to, just like when you put adapters on your computer, it's probably going to slow things down. Um, yeah, it looks like Tesla, the Tesla adapter is the one that they're going to use. Um, Jim Farley from Ford got on uh, Twitter Spaces, or now X, they're calling it. Yeah, right. And, uh, and agreed that they're going to uh, use that infrastructure on all 2025 electric vehicles further ahead so that people can use the Tesla charging. You will not get the fast charging, by the way. You get a low-level two. Right, low-level two. there's a charging because, yeah. station available. Right. Right. But, so then Mary Barra got on Twitter spaces with Elon Musk and agreed also. Then you knew it was just a matter of time before the dominoes started falling. And sure enough, Hyundai and Kia and the Germans, are now they've all kind of semi-sort of agreed that they're going to use that adapter. But how many... Stations are out there now that are the old style. So are they getting updated, or you're going to offer both outlets? So that's the problem. Or do you need an adapter? So if you've got a Ford Mach E and you want to plug it in a level, you know, fast charging level one, three fast charging, you're going to have to have the adapter. But some cases you won't. So this is just means that people are out spending more money on Chinese adapters on Amazon. <laughs> that, that, yeah, who knows, who's no, who knows what's make, who's making them and what it's going to do to the vehicle China. you plug it into. They're not well, worried that, about that know. either. And I'm going to tell you, you can talk to an electrical engineer. I'm not an electrical engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. But my uncle uh, used to work at the Pentagon in the Futures Department. And I can ask him questions every once in a while. And I ask him a question. You have to be careful I ask because he's not going to answer it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I asked him, I said, what type of magnetic fields hurt human beings? And he said, alternating current. Mm -hmm. I said, so if I have a direct current, like I plug something in the wall, he said, there'll be a small magnetic field that causes health issues, but nothing to the point of, like, you're going to, like, cancer, leukemia, that kind of stuff. I said, okay. Because that's why people don't build homes next to high-tension wires, right? You know, high-tension wires, you got sure. all the mm -hmm. electrical stations that are all... The, the land is either substantially cheaper or they tell you not to build there, right? Okay, we got that. You got, we all understand that. So what happens when you sit in a car at a fast charger and you sleep with your family, your kids, your babies, you know, your, your dog, whatever, and you're sitting in the car and you're on a fast charger? What kind of that's, all, that's all alternating current. That's fast charging. That's intervolt architecture. You can insulate some, but you can't insulate it all. What are we doing to ourselves? What is, what, is it, what is going on? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be a doctor. I'm not an electrical engineer. I'm just saying, if this comes up down the road, you can say Lauren discussed it in 2023. Mm -hmm. I've actually been discussing it for about five years. <laughs> yeah. Put that on your calendar. Mark the date. All right. Good stuff. Uh, we're we're, we're going to take a break here and return with a, a second part of this because we've got some we've got some deep dives we need to take uh, if you can if you can hang with us uh, next week we'd love to do another segment with you and uh, try to find out what our future is with the electric vehicles okay. when they come around Are you good for that sounds like a deal yeah absolutely all right we'll tell folks to tune in next week and get part two of this very interesting discussion Tim. stay tuned folks stay tuned well, Tim, LS engines run the gamut from, you know, 
just a stock truck right. engine mm -hmm. to the high performance engines that they have before they went into the LT engines. But if you've got an LS engine and you've gotten crazy with it, and uh, you put a aftermarket charger on it, say a Whipple charger, Edelbrock, uh, Magnuson TVS, mm -hmm. and you want to get serious horsepower out, power out of it, how do you get horsepower out of a supercharger? Well, you raise the boost. Exactly. Well, some of these guys are really pushing the envelope, and Concept One Pulley Systems has come out with a 10-rib heartbeat supercharger, alternator AC, and power steering for your LS engine. Really? You need that 10-rib belt so you're not throwing belts. Okay. Because 15 pounds boost is a lot. That's a lot. It's enough to get you past the 1,000-horsepower threshold, and guys are reaching further than that. Okay. That's a great system. And again, you can you can get into your power steering pump needs, what you, what you need on your particular build, mm -hmm. what you need as far as alternator, uh, AC, and it's a nice clean system. It uses one big ten rib belt, and uh, I see two on here. I'm sorry, one big ten ten rib belt, and then a little smaller a little, belt. Looks yeah. like an eight rib belt. It's a great system. Call them out. Yeah, it's combined with an eight rib system and a ten pound system. Okay. Uh, as far as rib belts go. Mm -hmm. So check it them out. Yeah. Takes the guesswork out. It absolutely does. It comes with all the brackets, all the pulleys, all the hardware, and it fits so dang good. Yeah. I've used so many of these. They just fit great. I've, I've used them my, myself, and then I've helped guys install them at other shops and stuff, and they just work so great. Um, give Concept One a check out at conceptone.com, and you can give them a call in coming Georgia and actually talk to Kevin or Randy, mm -hmm. who build these systems, designed them, build them, and are at the CNC machines all day long. Right. So they can do what you need done. Concept One Pulley Systems. Over by the Pascarosa mm -hmm. is the huge battery plant that takes up, you know, from one exit to the next. Right. I don't know Over a million that, square feet. A million square feet. Mm -hmm. what, and what if somebody figures out in their parents' basement that they can put all this energy into something the size of a 9-volt battery. Right. What, what do you... Then what? You might want to put in a bit on the battery plant. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, uh, the old... the junk you could put in 100... What oh, did you say? A million, million square, square feet? <laughs> oh, oh, how gosh. many cars could I fit in there? <laughs> junk cars, of course. Well, you know, yeah. Project cars. Yeah, project yeah. cars. Yeah, yeah I'm going to get around to it. Project cars, not mm -hmm. junk cars. In a related article, Chevrolet plans to build... And they're planning to build a million EV units by 2030. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> they're planning. They, all this is planning. Yeah. Planning. And, you know, so they're, they're going to they're gonna get into the, the charging business and everything else before it's all done. How about you think about this before we start building the things? Yeah. Chevrolet and everybody else, you know. Well, they've kind of been pressured into it. Well, kind of, yeah. By government But pressure. I was thinking about it, you know. In Europe, you, a lot of countries in Europe, you have a very short distance to drive to mm -hmm. go, you know, across the country. Right. You know, in the United States, going across a state, you know, would cover going across the entirety of Europe. Oh, sure. In some instances. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> Time for some thank yous, Tim. Yes, thank it's, you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> thanks, bud. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that's all right. Let's thank Lauren Fix, the car coach. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, thanks, Lauren. Yeah, she's got some great ideas, great thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, that she's very informative. She's a very smart person. She is, and uh, she is reachable on all, every, every imaginable social media mm -hmm. outlet. You might even see her on Fox and Friends in the morning or right. whatever. And uh, she's going to come back and finish out the uh, segment we started on today mm -hmm. and we're going to continue to talk a little bit about you know all of this silliness that's been put upon us let's right. put it that way so <laughs> time for some thank yous tim yes thank it's, you yes you're welcome <laughs> thanks, bud i appreciate yeah, it that's all right let's thank lauren fix the car coach mm -hmm. uh, yeah thanks lauren yeah she's got some Great ideas, great thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, she's very informative. She's a very smart person. She is, and uh, she is reachable on all, every every imaginable social media mm -hmm. outlet. You might even see her on Fox and Friends in the morning or right. whatever. And uh, she's going to come back and finish out the uh, segment we started on today. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to talk a little bit about, you know, all of this silliness that's been put upon us. Let's right. put it that way. Jacobs Media, 
the studio facilities where we do the podcast. Uh, of course, our producer, Bill Wilson. Thanks, Bill. Producer extraordinaire. And as you know, if you listen to the show or the podcast long enough, he knows his trivia. Tell us about it, Bill. Well, thank you, Bud. If you live in the North Georgia area, you can visit me as I host trivia four nights a week in the North Georgia listening area. But we are global. We are well, nationwide anyway. You can find out where DJ Trivia games are being played at djtrivia.com. And I uh, hope you join us. It's family fun, entertainment for all. All right. Thank you, Bill. Year one, Lanier Technical College, want con- concept one, pulley systems. Uh, I was up there uh, earlier in the week, and I got some stuff to tell you about. Okay. On that. Yeah. Next week. Okay. That's called the tease. All right. All right. If you get a chance, you want to listen to us on terrestrial radio, we are on AM 550, FM 102.9, WDUN, program called Bud's Garage. And Overdrive is an extended version of that. Of course, with our, our long guests, we get to go a little bit longer mm-hmm. uh, in the show with them, which is a, a great pleasure because you learn a lot. Oh, yeah, you do. So uh, reach out and... Uh, you, that's available on all the regular podcast sites, Bud's Garage and this Bud's Garage Overdrive. Your favorite podcast site, hopefully mm. your favorite show. Right. Keep between the ditches, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here at Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast. Okay. I'll be looking forward to it. So why? And thank you, Tim. Well, and thank you, Bud. All right. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.